Welcome to The Dead Format, episode 57. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by homeowner Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Technically, I won't be homeless. Sorry. <laughs> I have no and, idea what that, that means. Oh, that's John That's John Ralphio. Only, never mind. Like tenacious D? That, that is our, remember the super viral tweet that we had with the somebody howling at the moon him the Torok. yeah that got like 40 likes and i'm calling it viral super that's, viral that's yeah that's that that person okay anyway yeah we um got the deal negotiated there were some issues and they are paying for them which is great the only thing we have to work out now is they were in a contract to put solar panels on the house and they didn't really give us a ton of information about it so like we did an inspection we did all the shit on the house, and then they're going to put solar panels on after we've signed the deal before we move in, where basically another company is going to be in charge of our roof. So we're telling them, like, hold up, just don't do that, and we have a deal. Yeah, that's kind of shady. I mean, it, it wouldn't be bad to have solar panels, though, right? I mean, No, it wouldn't, but if it's a zero upfront cost for them to put them on... I want to be able to make that decision myself and yeah, shop yeah. companies around. So like they're they're selling us the house. None of the work has been done yet. The roof is a little bit older than they said it was and it's going to need replacing. I don't want somebody else's solar panels on the top of my house when I need to replace a roof. I smell you. Yep. So I can't wait for all this to be settled and for us to close and sign all the paperwork and get the keys but there's there's a little bit of stuff that needs to be done until then. So where is what town is it in? I forget. It's it's inland, literally. Oh, I, I have a two minute walk to work. It's awesome. Not for your podcast consumption. No, absolutely not. But I'll have more free time at home to play podcasts in the beautiful kitchen that I'm gonna have. Oh man, this kitchen Sweet. is is amazing. Is that how that works? You just have all this luxury time when you're home? Well, no, but uh, <laughs> but I'll be able to at least listen to podcasts while I cook. Be I a, feel you. Yeah. So did you get to watch any of Pro Tour Barcelona this weekend? I didn't. I got to watch a little bit of the coverage that people had sent because our good friend Jerry was featured a little bit. But, I mean, the whole thing was a mess with Hogak, right? Like Wizards fucked up modern again. Yeah, I don't know, really. I, I just saw what people were posting. I didn't really watch it. I watched one of the drafts, but uh, it, it seemed like, yeah, Hogak really fucked up Modern. And it kind of made me think about like going back to our prediction for like which cards would impact leg uh, Legacy from Modern Horizons. I wonder how we did on that, man, because we, like, we went pretty deep on that because we had that, that little bet gone. I think we definitely underestimated Hogak. We did not underestimate Ren and Six. I think I had said it was the most powerful card in the set. I might actually be wrong, because Hogak might be more powerful. No. But at least in, in Legacy right now, Ren is doing doing a yeah. lot more. I and think right. I think I think we might have... I might have been too hyped on Prismatic Vista. Obviously, it is great and playable, but it's not really doing what I thought it would. There's There's a little bit more impact coming from the snow astrolab that i thought the prismatic vista was going to end up doing but really it's coming from this nobody saw out of left field one art one cost artifact um 
Yeah, it wasn't until I started playing limited with it. And then when you when you play it in limited, then you start to think about how it might apply to legacy. But like looking at it on paper, I never would have thought that it was something. So I totally missed that card. Uh Ren, you were right. Like we we pegged Ren pretty well, force negation. Vista, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. But just like the other cards, it, I'd be curious to see like how many are, are really seeing play. We're kind of seeing Ice Fang Coatl develop now with the the snow decks picking up. There's like a bug snow control deck, like a Leo Vault Dead of Winter control deck. There's like the four and five color snow decks that are leaning in more to like green blue and playing Coatl. So I feel like that one's finally getting his day in the sun. But it's just interesting. Urza showed up more than we thought it would, and, and Yawgmoth, for that matter. Yeah, Yawgmoth a lot more. I thought Urza was going to show up a little bit. And it's, I mean, those cards are showing up in the shells we thought they would. Yeah. So I, I think we kind of nailed it. But if people can go back and listen. I still think that the uh, the canopy lands haven't been like fully explored yet. Like I, People are sort of like dabbling with them, but... They're definitely seeing play, just not as much as I thought they would initially. Yep. All right. So, yeah, that was uh, Barcelona. So, RIP pro scene. You know, no more pro points or whatever. Bro, how many golden tickets do you still have left? Zero. I used all of them. Oh. When did you go to a pro tour or a Grand Prix? Uh, I think I went to five last year. Four or five. Oh, they were for last year? I thought it was for 2019. No. You sure about that, bro? So it might have been for 2019, but before May 1st, I definitely went to three, if not four. Okay. Uh, it was Providence, Toronto. I can check my Planeswalker points to see oh, where yeah, I no, actually went right. to play. You're right. But I, it, I definitely went to a few. Yeah. I'm sure that there was one more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was uh, Niagara Falls. Okay, so yeah, I went to at least three, probably four. I can't remember the other one. Cool. Uh, so yeah, that's good. We got out while the getting was good. Uh, so we played in the Leaving a Legacy Open. There were, I believe, 98 players. It was... There was SCG Philadelphia, first of all, going on. So that kind of drew some of the crowd away from us. And... That that was really it as far as like the attendance goes. But I think it was pretty well attended for what it was. And yeah, we got to play some Legacy for the first time in a long time, right? It was a ton of fun. I got to see my buddy Matt play Legacy for the first time. And I want to give a huge shout out to Dan Holland being just the best and loaning Matt a Pox deck. So Matt got to play with Chains of Mephistopheles and the Abyss and just cards that we never would have been able to get to him and have a blast playing Legacy. So, yeah, it's it was great to see new people get into the format and seeing people like Dan be willing to to loan out a deck of that magnitude to somebody who they hadn't met is just it was outstanding. Bro, I got a quick story about Dan Holland's. Since, since we're talking about this, and this is like exactly what you're talking about. I found my magic cards Christmas of 2012 after, you know, not seeing them for 15 years or whatever. And I was like looking at my binder and looking up cards online and seeing, you know, Force of Willows worth $100 or whatever and Candelabra worth 400 So I brought them to Comic Stop in uh, Watertown 
Mass in January to sell them. Mm-hmm. And Dan Holland just happened to be working there, like behind the counter that day. And instead of selling my cards to him, he convinced me to play a two-headed giant like legacy tournament with him that weekend. It was really random that it was just happened to line up like that. But he gave me uh, copies of Days and Ponder, which are cards I'd never seen before in Cabal Therapy. And basically got me into Legacy. So kind of the whole reason I'm, I'm even playing right now is because of Dan Holland's generosity. That's that's an awesome story. Yeah, he's a super cool guy. Really like Dan Holland's. But I, I'm sad I didn't get to see Matt play at all. Uh, after all of my rounds, I was going and trying to find him to see if I could get in like a little bit of view of what was going on. And I got to, I got to see him play his game three against Phil Lesh on MTGO. Ross McGee? Ross hit true name, true name, true name, and ended up ended up sealing the deal against Matt, but it was really fun to see him play. So what was his record? Did he do all right? Did he get any wins? We don't need to talk about that publicly. <laughs> he 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 had fun. That's so awesome. it was one in the fun column for Matt. What yep, awesome. That, yep. That's great, man. It was cool to meet him in real life. Uh, the the man, the myth, the legend. And uh, yeah, Zach, I, I, I mean to go back and watch the coverage of this tournament because I heard Zach killed on coverage too. He did. And the wig that we got for Jerry ended up being a huge success. <laughs> what? I, Define success here. I, I thought Jerry handled wearing that wig very well. I thought it was going to end up being like, a very embarrassing, oh, I said that I'd do this, I didn't think anybody was going to get it for me kind of deal, but he <laughs> owned it. He rocked that wig, and, like, it looked good on him. I'm not I'm not going to lie. It did, man. It was weird to see Jerry with hair, for sure. So that's probably, the VODs of that are probably worth it, if anybody wants to go back and check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, so we had the charity thing that we've done now three times in... Uh, coordination with Leaving Legacy and the wonderful Michelle Cove, who's currently at Gen Con. And we had, uh, what, do you know any total for like money raised this time? Yeah, it was over $300. Like, I was worried. Ooh. And I honestly, I shouldn't be at this point. We didn't do a ton of promotion. We didn't pony up any like super expensive cards. We had a very good selection of stuff that was donated. But we didn't give a ton of press coverage to, all right, we're doing the charity thing again. And people came up huge. A bunch of food again. People donating cash again. We've raised over $1,500 in these tournaments for the oh, food yeah. bank. And it, it was it was just awesome to see. It blows my mind every time we do this that we are a part of it. And, yeah. uh, and I want to thank everybody. But Brian, I personally know Brian. I used to TO at the LGS that he would play at, and he won our cast takeover. And did you see the email? I did not, no. Okay. So we're not doing it this week, but he has some great ideas that are going to test our, one, our mental resolve, <laughs> two, our liver's resolve. There's a little yes. bit of a power hour in there, Ian. Oh, dude, so that's get a your fucking great warm idea. Miller Lite ready. And I think I think on this one, because it's including the power hour, we're gonna go unedited. So all of those people that are like, man, I really want to listen 
to what you guys cut next week. Next week, you're going to get to hear it. Bro, that's going to be worse than Baltimore. <laughs> uh, rat infest. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, that, that was the first time I met Brian Bradshaw, actually. He was a cool dude. He was very enthusiastic about the cast, so it's awesome that that you picked him to win that prize. I didn't. It was literally, (laughs) I did not. None of this is fixed. It seems like it is because Rich got the cat. Yeah, just I got the moat picture that tried to give me. You you got the moat artwork print. Yeah, that was really nice. That Pat had tried to gift to me earlier, and I I declined. Did he really? Yeah, and then he ended up giving it to me as a prize. So you, you, I generated those random numbers. You actually won that. I just, I just want to let you know that. I'm sure, bro. We might have to get KPMG in here to audit that shit next time. All right. Well, how did your tournament go? We talked so long about all this other stuff. How'd it go for you? Yeah, my tournament, man. So I sleeved up that stockish Ren deck. It was like uh, Dystopia had. Uh, won the challenge with maybe four, this like four weeks ago now uh maybe three weeks ago but it was like three wrens with like four goifs and four dreadhorde arcanists and i'm sorry uh two dreadhorde arcanists but it was like a delver deck and i made a few tweaks to the sideboard uh only a couple cards changed in the main deck but you know down to two abrupt decays was was one of the big ones i played spell pierce and I, I played the deck through three leagues online and had a winning record, but honestly just felt like the deck wasn't good, which is, is weird to say because I was winning a lot of these matches, but it felt like every game there was a turn where I'm like, okay, if they waste me here, I'm just fucked. Or I would have to play into these situations where I would need my opponent to not do a specific thing on a specific turn and just cross my fingers, you know, and that's not a good feeling. Like I, I really didn't enjoy that feeling, but I didn't have any reps with any other deck. So I figured what the fuck, right? Played the deck, started out with a loss to blue, black reanimator. This was like a traditional reanimator build, I guess, but with the London Mulligan, they had a turn one with chancellor in game one and a turn one with chancellor in game three, where I had a force, but it wasn't enough. So unfortunately, you know that happens. Round uh, the dude I was playing against was friends with that that guy Cody from our Discord, and a very nice dude. So it was cool to play him. He won my pack of alliances and refused to open it. So slops there. <laughs> Round two, I played against uh, Anthony Laverti, who was nice enough to gift me uh, this set of dice that I'm holding right now. Uh, very nice dude, very generous. And we had three great games. They were all like very interactive, fun games. Game three was really pretty wild. I hit like an eight outer. So he, he resolved like a, an empty for 12, you know, six copies of 12 goblins. And I needed to draw a black source, a fetch land or an underground sea. So I played to this scenario where I could cast plague engineer on turn three and, you know, survive at two life. I hit, uh, it was a fetch land though, so I went down to one life and couldn't force his uh, tendrils on the turn before he died. So it was, it was a pretty wild game. We both hit like approximately eight outers, so I got what I deserved. Uh, and he actually top eighted for the third time in four of these legacy things, so it's pretty cool. 
and then the next the next five rounds are kind of a blur uh i remember i beat adam wallace on blue red delver uh, i played against that bolus citadel deck uh that was really cool this dude had um bolus citadel and aetherflux reservoir with like weather the storm he never got to go off against me so i didn't really see it happen but i heard that he had gone off on coverage against dredge so i've been meaning to check that out I remember sitting down and watching the last few turns of that when he revealed his hand to like ritual, ritual, citadel of bolus, <laughs> plus plus something else, and I was like, oof, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Also, also shout out to our friend Steve, who played Hypergenesis. Oh yeah, that was sick. And I think I think he went home at four and three, but yep. every round I was like, did you do it? And he's like, yeah, I did, and I was really excited. Yeah, man, and he brewed that up himself. Like he he wasn't even aware of like existing hypergenesis lists, and I just kind of gently pushed him towards a couple of the cascade cards and stuff. I I did the same thing. He showed me his list that did not have any cascade spells in it. Yeah, and uh, we 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 changed some things before you saw it. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool uh, that he ended up getting there and winning some games. Uh, it was always cool to see Steve. And then yeah, I played against Adam. I remember I played and uh, I played a couple like test games against Jeremy Tibbetts in between rounds. Who unfortunately their car broke down like two miles from Gaming etc. So they couldn't play in the tournament. It was like hundred degrees that day, so I felt bad for those guys. But those were some good games. And then the last round, I was paired against uh, my Fevidant brother Ryan Lesko, and he was on Karn Post and Ren. I just random. And he was a little misty, so that was uh, that was that was worth it for me. Finished five two. The face that he had <laughs> when you were recurring wasteland, and at one point I walked over and I was like, "Why didn't you pick up that wasteland from your graveyard?" And I looked in your hand; there were just like two more of them, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you don't, you just don't need it." You His don't need keep it. in game three, he was on the play in game three, and it was a very questionable keep. Man, I I, I really don't like this keep. It was six lands and a ballista. And I think that you you really, with the London Mulligan, you have to take advantage of Mulligans with that deck. You need, like, if not a turn one three ball, like a turn one chalice. You know, you need to be doing something more powerful than just Cloud Post Pass into my Wastelands, right? Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. You live, you learn. And uh, you get ran sometimes. So, you know, it was fun. I went 5-2, and I still don't feel like the deck was very good. Like, I... I I just don't I don't want to play the deck to be honest and it's done pretty well but also it seems like the meta's moved on a little bit from it we can discuss this later but you know I, I'm not going to give the deck like a, a glowing recommendation that said uh, your buddy Jake almost won the tournament if not for a deck registry error with a pretty pretty close list yeah he he was talking to me at the beginning of the day and he's like why why did you choose to play the deck you played and i was like listen i just didn't have enough time and this is what i brought he's like you know you made a mistake right and i was like listen you're right you're absolutely right and at the beginning of the day he's like you should be playing this deck at the end of the day he's like you should be playing this deck yeah he liked it he loved it and it's super powerful the sequencing matters and anytime you take a four color deck and put it in his hands he seems to do pretty well with it. Yeah, yeah. His other deck was the same colors, right? Uh, yes, it was four color, no white. So yeah, 
obviously it's working out for him and I think that uh it, it is clearly a very powerful deck like I've gone 3-0 against blue red delver now through through a couple leagues and, and this tournament and like every time I'm thinking I'm gonna lose this match but like goif is just so powerful goif and ren really and it sucks playing it's weird because you're playing a delver deck and your combo matchup actually isn't great compared to like historically how delver like delver matchups have done and that's really kind of on ren but I don't know. It, it's clearly a very powerful deck, but it I just don't think it, it exactly is what I'm looking for. I understand. Well, coming to your sort of wrap-up, where you were like, ah, I was doing really well with this deck, but I just didn't feel it. I had been so busy that I actually didn't have the time to get my house set up for Dom to come up and stay with me who is a madman, by the way, our friend Dominic decided to drive up, stay over at my house Friday night, play in the tournament on Saturday, directly leave from the tournament, go home, go to work on Sunday. And he's from Pennsylvania. So it's a little bit of a haul for him. But when he told me he was coming up, I knew that I had to like clean my house and make it presentable. So I didn't really have time to actually sit down and go through my collection and build anything new. So I was looking at all of the stuff that I had built, and Death and Taxes popped up out of those boxes, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I can use this as a use this as like a barometer to see whether or not I would be okay with just sticking with Death and Taxes forever, mm-hmm. because when I was going through that, we weren't sure if we we're going to get this house. I wasn't sure how much extra money. I was going to have to like go through to make myself comfortable again. So I was thinking about how much of my collection I should chop down. Turns out it's not going to be a ton. And I have some cards that I'm looking to sell. But I pulled out Death and Taxes. Didn't make any changes from the deck that I ran to Leaving a Legacy tournaments ago. And brought the exact same thing. I forgot you played it. That's right. Yeah, I think I played it in LAL 2. And obviously, like, it's a, it's a solid deck. I knew that with Ren running around, it wasn't the best choice. But I played against Ren a bunch, and actually it didn't work out too poorly. So. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I played, I played against uh, our friend Freya round one, and she's awesome. Sitting down across from her, I knew that she was on lands with Ren. So immediately I'm like, God fucking damn it. It's a punishing fire deck with Ren. Like, I, it's not a matchup I want to play. And in game one, I'm on the play and I mulligan to five. So I'm like, fuck. There's absolutely no way I'm winning this game. And I won that game. Wow. Yeah, so Freya ended up making adepts that I had the Flicker Wisp for. And... My five was, like, almost perfect. Uh, Vile, Port, Wasteland, Mom, Stoneforge, and I think I drew Mirror and Crusader. And the Flicker Wisp after. So I was able to just, like, do what I needed to do. And in game two, she was on the play and led with land, Mox Diamond, tap two mana, and I'm like, fuck. I'm getting Ren on turn one when 
I have a mother of runes and this is not going to work. And it ended up being a turn one Sylvan library into a turn two Ren, which still is not good for me. But I ended up getting to enough mana to where I could cast Cataclysm, and that really sealed the deal. So my Death and Taxes list was super not updated. I was still playing three Mirren Crusader. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, and I ended up making it through round one very luckily to a Ren deck that I have a pretty bad matchup against. So one of the best things I ever feel like your opponent can say to you is I wish I was not playing a good X player. Like, yeah. ha- have you ever sat down and you're like, man, I usually never lose to death and taxes. I wish I wasn't playing against somebody who was good. Or like, wow, I always beat Stoneblade. It sucks I was playing against a good Esper Stoneblade player. Like, those comments are just the best in my mind. And I had a few of those today, or during that day. So I was pretty pumped about that. Yeah, I've had that feeling with a couple players. Daryl Ayers comes to mind. And uh, the, the dude who won uh, SCG Syracuse with Blue Red Delver. Rich Kelly? Are, yeah, yep. Yeah. Th- those are two people when I play them online that, that get me with decks that I, I usually have very good matchups against. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So in round two, I got to play on camera for a little bit. My opponent Anderson was playing Grixis Control with Dreadhorde Arcanist. And mm-hmm. against my board of Recruiter of the Guard, he got to resolve his chase. Now, it didn't happen on camera, but I fucked up playing a Wasteland again in a feature match. Uh, I, I played. I accidentally played an extra land in my game, whatever, where I played Wasteland as a spell after combat, and, mm-hmm. uh, and we had to have that fixed. But that matchup is kind of abysmal and I got rolled game one game two on the play I was able to get my mana denial plan working and everything was fine but game three I didn't mulligan where I probably should have where I had that like fair one two three hand without a huge amount of mana disruption and I should have realized that that wasn't enough to get the job done like just looking at my hand I should have understood mom is gonna die and when mom dies, your whole hand falls apart. So I should have mulligan looking for more ports and wastelands and maybe a vial to make that work. Was so, it to a Thalia? Uh, I did. It, it was it was mom, Thalia, Stoneforge, Mirren Crusader, Plains, Caracas, something. I that wasn't that wasn't back. a vial. That, and that's a pretty good hand. Well, I mean, like, it it doesn't do what I needed to do in the matchup though, right? Like, I, I'm on the draw, first of all. Yeah. On the play, that hand gets way better. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, but getting my mom killed just had had everything cascade the wrong way to where when my opponent had their fourth mana, I had not disrupted their mana base and they were able to land a Jace. And even though I was able to play a Palace Jailer, the Palace Jailer wasn't able to pull me back into the Jace Brainstorm every turn. So that's what happened to me in round two. So, Anderson did not take the Fallen Empires pack, and uh, so slops to Anderson for that. In my round three, I played Kyle, who I think used to be the owner of Scholars. We played a bunch. Oh, Maybe yeah, it's... yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I, I 
I have been to that store a few times. I think that I probably had met him, but we introduced we like we introduced ourselves playing in tournaments after all that was over. And he was playing just straight up actually it wasn't straight up blue black. He was blue black splash Colgan's command. Yeah, so I played against him too. He's he's a good player. So it was basically just blue black control splash K command and uh he mulliganed both of the games and I was just able to grind him out. The Mirren Crusaders were actually really huge in the in the first game. And in the second game, I was able to Cataclysm him and then double port him for the rest of the game. So he was just getting poked by a 1-1. But the Monarch token was in play. So I was drawing more mana disruption than he was drawing mana. In round four, I played Christopher. He was a blue-red Delver player who top-aided. And... Man, this matchup is so play draw dependent. He won game one, where I almost turned the corner. And if I was on the play, I think I would have been able to with Stoneforge and Batterskull. In game two, I was on the play, and he got locked mana-wise and life-wise with Batterskull, because he wasn't able to like pay for the taxes and deal with my threats. And in game three, same deal. Uh, I felt like if I was on the play, it would have been the opposite result, but he was just one step ahead of the mana taxes and mana disruption to be able to take care of my threats. And I ended up keeping a double vile hand in game three, and he had shenanigans. And oh man, <laughs> shenanigans does a number on vile. So, so that happened too. Yeah, he's a good player, Chris Fields. Yeah, he uh he said that he was friends with you. And like a classy motherfucker, he chose the Fallen Empires pack. <laughs> so, good good for Chris. So, I'm 2 and 2 and I like I kind of understood this was going to happen. I chose to bring Death and Taxes, but I was still ha- enjoying my time playing. I love Legacy and Death and Taxes is the deck where you have a lot of decisions, so I felt like my losses I could have mitigated a little bit by choosing to mulligan more aggressively. The London mulligan allows you access to Vile way more often. And I probably should have been analyzing my hands for mana disruption more than I was with the London mulligan. Knowing that some matchups you need to be able to apply early mana disruption. So mulling hands that don't do that is is kind of important. Yeah, I feel you. Especially because you can, you can put back cards like equipment and stuff and feel like you didn't even mulligan you know yep uh round five i played against the traditional blue red delver not like chris's build that had uh swift spear but uh, sort of a higher up the curve build and uh was able to to take those two games pretty straightforwardly even though in game one there was a main deck grim lava mancer that i went up against it uh it all worked out in round six i played against rax who was actually the person that emailed the cast about the death and taxes list that was running that artifact enchantment removal thing that triggers on the upkeep. Do you remember that conversation? So they, they emailed us about the reason why you would use that. And they're a listener. Uh, They're playing rug Ren splash black and it seemed like it was going to be a nightmare matchup after I played the game one. Like, I just got wrecked. 
I got Plague Engineered on Humans. I got my mana disrupted. They played Dreadhorde Arcanist that went unanswered, and it just so this smashed is like me. Control, not Delver. No, it was Delver. So it was oh, okay. the the straight rug splash black builds. So more more rug with plain Engi- plague engineer than you saw with the more spread out four color builds. If that makes sense. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the only black cards that that I I think Jake or I played were Abrupt Decay and Plague Engineer, right? Okay. So I think it might be the same deck. If it, it might have been, it might have just played out more like a rug deck with Dazes. Okay. And game two, I was on the play and was able to disrupt their mana. And in game three, I was actually able to land a rest in peace that completely turned the game around. Their hand was pretty reliant on multiple Tarmogoyfs and Dreadhorde Arcanist. Yeah. And the rest in peace resolving just made made all of that negligible. And they said that they had switched off of Death and Taxes. Okay. Because it wasn't competitive in the Ren environment. And they were like, I'm really glad you're doing well with it. So, awesome. Shout out to them. And then in round seven, I'm playing for money. I played against a post deck. And I was able to, in game one, just shut down their mana rocks. I think I blind revokered Grim Monolith before I had seen it. And it ended up being the right call. In game two, I just got absolutely run over um, being on the draw and not being able to find any mana disruption with them playing a early spyglass yeah playing a spyglass on wasteland that I was really leaning heavily on and in game three I thought I was looking really good where I played my vial on turn one I had some really good follow-ups regarding the mana disruption and my threats and my opponent played Whew. Ancient Tomb, Monolith, New Key, Untap Monolith, Cast Karn on my turn one. And I was just like, oh man. Wait, for, for the listeners, Karn, Scion, Aversa. And they made a token. Now listen, <laughs> they played a turn one Karn. Yeah, you sold this story pretty hard when, when we were talking about it. And it, it changes a lot if it's Scion, Aversa, though. Okay, it changes a little bit. It's still a turn one card. You're right. You're right. So on my next turn, I, I believe I wasteland surgical extract ancient tomb. Uh, I brought in surgical extraction because my sideboard was super weak to whatever was going on. And I figured that was going to be a better, a better card than some of the extra stuff that I had. It's defensible on the play. I think. Uh, I was on the, I was on the play. Yeah. I surgical them in their draw step, see that they don't have any other double mana lands, and strip out all the ancient tombs from their hand. So I think they played a glimmer post and either upticked or, or did something. And on my next turn, I was actually able to revoker their monolith. So I was locking them. I basically locked them at two mana and then played a Thalia to lock them at three and then was able to play a Flicker Wisp to clear the blocker to kill their Karn and ended up rolling from there. But coming back from any turn one Karn... Yeah, that's pretty sick. It, it seemed pretty okay. So I ended up finishing 5-2, and two, just just squeezing it in, but getting getting in the money, and really playing a deck that I had a ton of fun playing, but it, it wasn't something that was a competitive 
meta choice based off of everything that was going on. Yeah, it was Dominic's fault, you said, right? It was. Yeah, Dom came. I didn't have time to change decks, so I had to play Death and Taxes, so it's Dom's fault. Thanks a lot, Dom. Yep. So, actually, uh, I also finished 5-2, thought I was playing for money, but it turns out it went 15, Thomas Smiley, 16, Christopher Stidson, 17, Ian McEwen. I lost by some some percentage point of a breaker to you and uh, Mr. Frosty. So that was that was some salt, but at least I got to keep one of my prize packs. So there was a that was my I, prize. I also did. I cracked it today. I was looking through my bag for the notes I made about my matches, and I had a Mirrodin pack left over. So I got a Mind's Eye. I have no idea what that is. It's some EDH card. Okay. I had a, a pack of Invasion. And actually, Ryan's building an old school cube right now, and there's a bunch of cards from Invasion he needs. So I opened it in front of him just for the for the lulls and refused to trade him any of the cards. Uh, actually, that was at Rapscallions where you joined us for a beer. Uh, I a, got to go have a beer. It was great. A very nervous beer. You were looking over your shoulder and checking your phone, but uh, you, you apparently had to be home. I did. Well, okay. So after you guys invited me out, I texted my wife and I was like, hey, I'm done playing. Can I uh, listen? My fault. Rookie mistake. But I texted her and I was like, is it all right if I go out for a beer? And I didn't get a response except for the shrugged shoulders emoji. And I was like, oh, man, I got to make this one beer. And uh, and that's why I knew I had to get out of there. Yeah, we ended up... Uh... DJ and Dom joined us, and then uh, actually Dorico was was in town, so he joined us. So it was it was a it was a joyous occasion, man. We we got to celebrate right, and congrats to everybody who top aided. Uh, congrats to anybody who didn't bubble, for that matter. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was cool to see everybody. These are always fun. Thank you, Michelle, as always, for running this. And yeah, I I believe that was all. But these past two weeks, we we had Maradon last week. Uh, talking about his Punishing Zoo deck that he won with. And we didn't really get into any of the results. So now we've got two weeks of results stacked up. But I think these have probably been the two busiest Legacy Weeks since we started this podcast, honestly. Yeah, other than like the large Grand Prix data dumps, there were a ton of events. Dude, it was wild. We had a Star City in Philly that was like a team thing with... uh, with 267 teams. And then there was a classic with 159 players. So that's another big tournament. We had hours in Acton. We had, uh, I'm going to say Guangzhou in, in China. Our buddy James Xu sent us the results for that tournament. It was a 105-player legacy tournament in China. There was the Moonbase Market tournament. That was 175 people in, uh, I believe it was St. Louis. Then, uh, great our buddy, city. Our buddy, our buddy Beaneman did something in Denver that was like a pub tournament. Uh, Marcus, I saw through a tournament in Switzerland, uh, in sorry, Switzerland, in Sweden. Uh, I guess he just invited 35 people so he could beat them because he, uh, he came in second with Spiral Tide. And we've had a couple challenges. It's, it's just been like, there's so many fucking results, man. Shit's popping. I, I don't even 
like there there's so much data at this point like we have we have so many top eights and stuff that we can sort of review them but i i feel like there's there's not a lot like there's not any dominant deck or anything like you know there's some trends that we can we can notice that we're like you know decks that are picking up steam or whatever like you know blood moons came back what's going on with depths is pretty cool what's going on with astrolabe with the control decks and, and you know what colors they're splashing but i don't know man where do you want to start with this well i think that the team open is probably the best place to start because all of these ripples that we're going to talk about with blood moon and depths and all that i think come down to ren taking over the fair decks so like you look at what happened in the philly open and it is boatloads of ren it was fucking crazy man there's uh six of the top eight are ren decks there's also a Bomberman and a blue red delver deck in fourth and eighth respectively but we had Rug Delver, Four Color Delver, and then four Four Color Control decks. All all Ren decks in this top eight. And, you know, it's a team open, so the usual disclosures that maybe these people didn't have the best record in the tournament. You know, maybe the, the winner didn't go 18-0 or whatever the fuck. But still, there's clearly a correlation with, with Ren and, and doing well. Yeah, and Delver, like the strength of Delver, obviously... If you've played in SCGs, there's an overrepresentation of fair blue, mainly Delver. It's something that people just really enjoy playing. But if you look at the day two metagame breakdown, it's a lot of Delver. It's a lot of four color. So uh, I think that all of the rest of the ripples we're going to see is based off of this Ren really inserting itself in the metagame. Yeah, and the challenge the week before this, too, was that, like, out-of-control Ren challenge that we talked about, where I think there were 10 of the 32, top 32 were Ren decks, and 4 of the top 8. Yes. So that was really, like, going back, you know, 9 or 10 days before today, it was really, like, the the peak Ren, I would say. I I could agree with that. So one deck that I wanted to highlight, third place, uh, Joseph Horton in the Team SCG, was the noble rug like four four true name rug deck with three ren and six and i thought this was really cool to see this pop up again and he actually didn't play any dreadhorde arcanist he played two tarmogoyfs in a straight rug uh ren deck rug delver ren deck and uh yeah i'm, I'm definitely going to be playing this online in the near future because i i've kind of shied away from noble with Ren in the format it just seemed like not the right time to be playing it but some uh i believe it was josh santos top aided the leaving a legacy with a very similar list to this and joe horton did well here so you know that could be a wrong read by me maybe uh we also talked to Merritt about this uh i talked to him last week and he mentioned that if they actually do kill noble with with ren that's not the worst because now it's boltable and that's something I hadn't really considered and made me want to play this deck again. Yeah, I mean, it still puts you down on cards, but this this also could be another... I, so, I don't really know. Another signal that True Name might be great again, but, man, Plague Engineer does a number on it. 
Yeah, I know. I, I know Joe is. I know Joe is a great player, but I don't think this is exactly where I would go if I was trying to build a rug in a shell like this. That's so, the thing that I was also afraid about. Is you know, Noble Hierarch is a human, and you know, so is Delver of Secrets. So a plague engineer locks you out of, you know, four of your ten threats and your mana dork. So it's really pretty devastating in in my estimation, but. You know, you mentioned going down a card on Ren, and if it goes up there, you're still kind of going down a card because they're getting back a land right away. So it's kind of like you you accept, unless you can snare it on the stack, you're kind of getting two for one by that card no matter what, you know? It's Which true. is the unfortunate reality of, of just how good Ren is. That is true. So yeah, that was, uh, that was the SCG team open. And then the classic was... You know, the the classics are people who didn't make day two in the team open. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, it's a less competitive event or anything along those lines, but... I mean, it kind of does. It does, right? But we didn't see as much Ren in there, and I wonder, is that because all the Ren players were in day two, you know? But uh, it it was a lot more of a a traditional top eight, I would say. We had... uh, Rug Delver, Blue Red Delver, Amano Red Prism, Blue Red Delver, Bomberman. Uh, the Loamless deck, which which is really something exciting going on right now. Blue White Stoneblade and Urza Trinket Mage deck uh, in the top eight. Yeah, it was nice to see the Urza deck make it into the top eight, but I mean, it's a classic. Yeah. It was, yeah. So. it is. It is what it is, but. Man, this Loneless deck, we'll, we'll kind of get to it later, I think, but it's a sight to behold. So just to quickly recap the Leaving Legacy, the top eight, if we didn't mention it already. Punishing Zoo, Four Color Delver, Tess, Black Red Reanimator, that was uh, Blake that used to own uh, JP Comics. Uh, Miracles, Rug Delver, Blue Red Delver, and another deck that I missed. Blue Red Delver, Miracles, Punishing Zoo. Four color Delver, Red Black Reanimator, Manalus. Oh, Manalus. Uh, Rug Delver and Tess. Yeah, we yeah. missed that Manalus deck. So, yeah, cool. That was a pretty diverse top eight. Uh, there's three Delver decks, two combo decks, Zoo, Miracles. So, yeah. And again, the event was almost 100 people, but I feel like it's sort of the, the same idea as the, um, as the classic. Yeah. Looking at the meta that was there. There were a lot of people that did not have Rens, and I think if everybody had access to all of the cards, if it was a more sort of, uh, I don't want to say competitive field, but if it was a large event, the top would have gotten a little bit more streamlined. More egalitarian, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but yeah. Okay. We got to redistribute the Rens. <laughs> So, Gangzhou, China, we had 105 players, and it was won by a traditional Eldrazi deck with Mimics, is how James described this deck. Uh, The rest of the top eight was Hogak Depths, Burn, two Blue-Red Delvers, two Reanimators, and one Lands deck. So this is is, a very... Is it really Burn? Oh, no, it is actually Burn. I'm looking at the deck descriptions... And they're blue-red burn, blue-red burn, but there's an actual burn. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is. I mean, what? I I have a feeling this is card availability, right? Uh, could be. Yeah. Do is there anything here you want to talk you about? Know what? No, hold on. I, I think that remember uh, a while back when we we thought Burn might be well positioned. I think you did. Uh, I don't remember the specifics. It was around the time of the Grand Prix, but I think that actually right now Burn might be well positioned again. And the snow decks kind of put a, a little bit of a damper on that because they're playing all those powerful cards without having to result to or resort to playing dual lands. But it looks like there's a lot of matchups that might be sneakily vulnerable to burn. You mean like combo is just sort of down right now? Yeah, well, so there is the, the complication, I guess, of the London mulligan and the consistency of fast combo where burn really probably wouldn't stand a chance and have to resort to like ley lines and stuff like that. But if they did lean into ley lines, I, I just think it's a good time to be getting your opponent dead. You know, there's a, there's there seems to be like a mid-range arms race again going on with, with these astrolabe decks and the four-color control decks and... Even the the Delver decks, where they're they're slowly creeping up, getting bigger and bigger, relying more, you know, getting greedier, relying more on the graveyard, uh, more true name nemesis, you know, that sort of arms race that Burn Burn loves to see, really, because they're just trying to go right under all that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Sneak and Show has been sort of held down by the Delver decks, and that not a ton of people, except in this tournament, I guess, have been bringing Reanimator. Actually, I don't want to say that. At the LOL event, Black Red Reanimator was 10% of the meta. I played against two of them. Yeah, uh, and conversion-wise, it didn't it didn't really do well, but people are bringing it quite a bit. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't see burn right now. Okay. So, maybe that's just me. Yeah, it seems like like you said. Actually, the uh, the combo matchup is probably more problematic than ever with the London Mulligan for for Burn. But with that aside, it, if you were expecting to see under twenty percent combo, I would I would consider it to be a decent time for Burn. But that's never online, right? You're always going to see twenty percent combo. So yep, I'm not going to play it. But yeah. I was actually thinking about Zoo a lot this week because of the conversation with Merritt. And I was just talking to our buddy Nate. He was 5-0 so far with this Zoo deck that he built. I don't know if you saw this. He posted it earlier today. But he's playing like Step Links and Berserk in his in his Zoo deck. And I had sketched up something kind of well, similar after listen. talking to Merritt. And like 4 Ren and 6. Like going all in on Ren and 6. He's playing Plated Geopede. You saw this list? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't dude. I can't get behind it. Nate is awesome. This list is a disaster. I I kinda wanted to play Arcanist no. more than play to GP. Oh, come on. But I I really like that step links idea right now with Ren. That's so bad. Oh, I'd love it. So I kind of want to run a league with that if I can ever pull myself away from M20 Limited, which is fucking shockingly for a core set, an amazing limited set. I've, I'm have i like closing in on 40, 40 drafts now. So I'm really glad that Wizards is balancing their complete ineptness at converting judges and tournament play over to their new model 
with good limited play. Bro, it's so fucking weird because like, <laughs> I, I really hate a lot of what they're doing right now. Like, I feel like they're trying to get me not to play. But at the same time, like, I just can't stop queuing for this fucking thing. I think I'm at 11 trophies now, but I'm, I'm not really in the trophy race because I just don't have enough leagues under my belt. But it's a fucking amazing limited set. And I don't know how much this stuff lags, too, right? Like, maybe they designed this last year, but this has been two sets in a row now uh, with War of the Spark where I'm just straight fucking hooked on this limited format. How's your arena play going these days, by the way? <laughs> I I haven't updated it. They keep on sending me emails like, claim your free mythics. <laughs> and I just, I, I haven't logged in to get them. I just, I don't have time. I don't have time to play the stuff that I want to play. Arena was great when I had free time, but I don't even have any free time anymore. <laughs> but like the format that I love to play the most was Legacy and Cube and the Vintage Cube fired up and I haven't played a single cube because I don't have the time. Bro, I think it's gone. I think it's Khan's block cube now. It's probably gone, but I wasn't able to play at all. I was so busy. Yeah, so that's wild. That's unfortunate. You didn't get to defend your title. I, I'm just going to look back on that that three-week stretch I had just crushing everything with yeah I was yeah. happy so Any, anyway it, it's really unfortunate man and the the way I'm justifying it is I've been like infinite drafting for so long like I'm not putting any money in so I feel like okay even though I'm sending the signal of like I'm extremely happy with magic right now by playing all day it's not like I'm actually giving them any money so whatever well somebody is yeah, that that is true. That's a very good argument. But it is what it is, dude. It's kind of weird, like seeing everybody like dropping off. Like, how much would it suck to have pro status right now and have that mean nothing? <laughs> it's pretty fucking bad, especially if you like invested years of your life into traveling to all of these tournaments to eke out gold yeah. to just have it dumped on you. Like it's there are people, crazy. there are people that took breaks from school or work to chase this and now it's gone. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It's pretty weird, like seeing it happen. And if you remember, like when all that pay the pro shit happened, it seems like this has been so like we've known about it for a while. So people can't point to like any any shocking announcement or anything. And there was a lot of sort of apologizing or, or sort of trust, you know, trust the process about this going on like six months ago, even where people were like, Oh no, it's just, you know, the success of arena and they're going to make some announcement and they never did. Yeah. This they time. Don't care. So there really wasn't any moment where it was like, Oh, there's this huge uproar for the player base. And they, they kind of, did it did a pretty good job of of killing it without any huge uproar it, it just sort yeah. of silently died well now now because of the judge lawsuit they've like filtered all of their judge stuff through a privately owned organization yeah to make that lawsuit go away from now on it's pretty sweet yeah it's yeah so if now we're gonna like make all these judges pay a subscription fee for their foils so we're one step removed from it 
Yeah. And this fall guy is going to get the subscription fees to make us not get the target of a lawsuit. It's fucking perfect. It clearly somebody at Wizards has read the prints, right? There, there's somebody's a fan of Machiavelli because this was executed just brilliantly. Anyway, so yeah, that's that. We also have, I haven't seen any results from the moon base market. I saw that dude Jeremy posted that he would have the results on Reddit later this week, like the top eight. I think Death and Taxes won. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't watch the stream or anything. Death and Taxes won, huh? Just like a standard stock Death and Taxes? So it was it was a player who I had seen post on Twitter who was very well known for Death and Taxes holding up a promo Thalia saying I did it again. Oh, it's so I'm, promo Thalia. I'm assuming I'm assuming that it was Death and Taxes that won. Was it the pink-haired promo, Thalia? It was the WMCQ one, yeah. Oh, fuck that shit. Whatever. You don't like you don't like pink-haired Thalia? I I'm a, I'm an originalist, bro. Like that the the beautiful old Thalia is just that's death and taxes to me. Like that it promo, is. that promo shit with death and taxes that that feels like such a slap in the face to what death and taxes really means, right? Like it's like the working man's deck, right? It you is. Gonna, Pimping... You're gonna put anime characters in it. Like that's yeah. just fucking. That's just. I don't know. You're right. You're absolutely right. Did you play the the promo values? No, I did. I did All not. Right. I'm not. Listen, I'm trying to trim down my vanity legacy collection to sell some stuff to pay for plumbing and electrical work. I'm I'm far beyond the promo values. Yeah, I feel you, bro. So the other thing. That's all the big paper tournaments that we know of from the past two weeks. There were a couple challenges and a couple deck dumps, as per usual. And I really quick, I just wanted to shout out, I don't know who this person is, but Chronicler1029 on Reddit uh, has been posting the deck dumps and the uh, challenge results with the the list of the decks and like the, the players. And then also with the uh, the anchored links to the actual lists. And I don't know how, how fucking long that takes in Reddit, but I really appreciate that, man. That saves me like hella time when I'm, I'm looking at this. So whoever you are, I hope you're listening. I hope someone tells you about this. Or if you're just some anonymous, then uh, just good on you. I guess you can, uh, you can just feel good about yourself for that because I, I really appreciate that. I just used the Watsy website because <laughs> uh, I'm a scrub. Bro, me too. Every week, my my first Google is MTGO Challenge Decklists. Actually, we should change the name of our cast to just MTGO Decklists. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that we're <laughs> we might be stepping on some people's toes. I don't know any. I don't know any cast named MTGO Decklists. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Right. We might have to differentiate ourselves. Uh, drunkenly analyze MTGO legacy challenge deck lists. People should be able to find us then, yeah. Yep. All right. We, we uh, So I'm going to ignore the challenge from two weeks ago and just say that that was the challenge. I feel like two big things came out of that. First of all, mono red, two, two mono red prison decks split the top eight. So that was like the reaction, you know, legacy, uh, I'm sorry, MTGO is always like a half step ahead of, of the, the meta, right? And this was a reaction to the challenge the week before when there were 10 red decks in the top 32. And this week, 
we had two Blood Moon decks split the top eight. Yep. So yeah, that was kind of expected and kind of cool to see happen as cleanly as it did. And then also the seven and eight decks were Dan Neely playing the the four act the four ren loneless plug deck. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's like the new evolution of of loam, and I think the deck is really cool. I was talking to our buddy Justin Corbett about this. He he actually five well, would Can it, it can it really be plugged without Trinisphere? Well, some of them are playing two Trinospheres, so okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Actually, was Dan not playing it? No. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of like the difference, I guess, with with what's called plug. Really, is you kind of just nailed it. But uh, yep, no no Trinospheres in Dan's list. So this is this is more like a closer to the the loan deck of of old. There's still Liliana's in this deck even. So yeah, uh, I was talking to our buddy Justin though. He's playing like the version with two hunt masters and two three balls in the main, and he he won his first five matches just straight five zero with the deck. So he's gonna put it together in paper. He says he's having a midlife crisis. He's gonna buy a Well, I Justin, I am selling a oh. graded tabernacle Italian for very cheap. Some people would say the Italian looks better. Some people are fucking wrong. But I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut that from the cast to make my, <laughs> my offer seem better. But if you would like, and the only reason why it's a nine is because it has a centering eight point five subgrade. It's at nine point five, nine point five, nine point five. Whoa, that's rare. Eight point five that you can have for the low low price of like. Oh, bro! That's I thought a, you were gonna that's say- a fucking good price. Yeah, you can, for sure. But like that shit has softened the fuck. Like Abyss is down to like four hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm trying to sell my expedition mana crypt, and it went from like five fifty to three hundred. Yeah, that's that's been basically everything in the past yep. six weeks. I sold my library. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't shipped it out yet. I'm, I'm surprised that softened like that. Well, I I priced it about a hundred under market. Yeah, to to so, get it to get it yep. out. To get it out. Library is one of the cards that I had pegged as like one of the safest places to be. Yep. Actually, yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's old. That's rough, man. Yeah, there, there's actually power moving for under a thousand now. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I sold my power last year. Yeah. I think it's around where I thought it was. Although, I still see Lotus is going for like six. Yeah, Lotus is, is the, the exception. It, it's kind of held on to its prices. Yep. But... Uh, especially on limited power, because there was an announcement that uh, Channel Fireball, I believe it was Channel Fireball made, that CE is going to be legal at the uh, quote-unquote old-school championships in Vegas this year Mm. at their Grand Prix. All right. So a lot of old-school-only players are we're kind of in my boat where you have like half unlimited and half CE power, just kind of like, okay, fuck it, I'm just going to go all in on CE now. Instead yep. of instead of doing the upgrade to unlimited path slowly, they're kind of reversing course, and that's really playing out in the market right now. Super interesting you. to see. But Lotus is Lotus, man. It kind of trends its own thing. MTG Finance. There you go. So yeah, the other list from this uh, week old challenge that I wanted to highlight was Curtis Deanne Solver. This was, I believe, the premier finish for this 
his Hogak Depths Elvish Reclaimer deck mm-hmm. that's like a fucking slap in the face to what we consider medium depths to be, right? Yeah, or legacy playable cards. <laughs> four Elvish Reclaimer, four Hogak, three Seder Wayfinder, four Stitcher Supplier, four Hex Mage, four Cabal Therapy, four Thoughts, use four Crop Rotation, three Mox Diamond, and 27 lands, notably uh, Colony Garden. And yeah, that's that's about it, actually. Yep. Also, Ethan Formicella finishing fourth with Ant. With Veil of Summer in the sideboard. Yeah, Veil of focusing, Summer is Focusing on, is like a pseudo-silence. I really like that. That card is so good, man. So? I'm a huge fan of that card. I've drafted probably at least 20 of them at this point, but I I totally see why they would play that card, and I love it. So, the challenge this week, the fresher results. Did you see what, what won this undefeatedly? No. Take a fucking wild guess. Blue white stoneblade with no back to basics or narsets. Yeah, it's straight up old school blue white stoneblade. To go to go ten and zero through this event. Yeah, I mean it's it's solid. It's it's super basic. Yeah, I mean so this is a uh, this is one Teferi time raveler, and one force of negation would be I guess the new cards since like the the list from back in like march and, we're, and we're ashiok in the sideboard oh sorry yep sideboard ashiok too so that that would be the new stuff and a dovin's veto in the sideboard which is actually a pretty important card for this deck uh, truth be told in my opinion but i this is kind of shocking to me man i i really had not been thinking about blue white stoneblade at all and is there any reason that you think that this deck might have particularly been poised to take example to take advantage of that post red meta blue sorry mono red blood moon coming to take over the ren decks this going over the top of those decks yeah while also having spell snare to take care of ren like it's a blue and stoneblade deck 50 50 matchups anywhere yeah it it can happen yeah, that's especially cool. I think that when you're thinking about Chalice decks, if you expect like Chalice decks to be picking up, this list has Brainstorms, Ponders, and Plows, but then it has all the counterspells that answer Chalice. It's got one Force Negation in the main deck with the Force of Wills, and then two Pierces and a Spell Snare. And no one-drops, as always. No one-drops in the creature suite. So if they stick a... First of all, you have a lot of chances to counter a Chalice or, or, or a Blood Moon if necessary. A lot of times it won't even be necessary, but you have a lot of chances to hit it. And then if not, you can just sort of go over the chalice with your creature suite of Snapcaster, Stoneforge, True Name, Click, and Teferi, and Jace. So there's a lot to like about this deck, man. Honestly. Like, it it sounds kind of stupid to be saying that after, like, two weeks ago where, like, I definitely wouldn't play Stoneblade, right? Well, I did we ever say that? No, two weeks ago, honestly, we said if you had to keep one deck, it would be Stoneblade. But <laughs> yeah, I wasn't Stoneblade, gonna, Stoneblade I wasn't is a forever it. deck. But I wasn't about to play it in the Leaving Legacy, right? Okay. I mean, second place is another one where it's powerful enough to be a forever deck. It's Sneak and Show again. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me at all. That's the deck that I would have pegged to be 
poised to take advantage of the blood money resurgence. Yeah, any any time you see the meta exert pressure to push down Delver, you're going to see decks like that pop back up. Yeah, exactly. So it, time and again, it, like even before the bans, after the bans, this deck is fucking timeless. Yep. Ban Grizzlebrand. But anyway, <laughs> uh, rounding it out, we had an Ant deck with uh, how many Veil of Summer? Two Veil of Summer in the sideboard. Then we had, I believe, the the lone appearance of Ren. We have a a four color Ren deck eschewing Dreadhorde Arcanist for Gurmag Anglers. And well, we had we had Ren also in fifth. I'm sorry. Yep, this is the traditional four color Ren deck with two preordains. Yep. And then Curtis again with the next iteration of his Depths deck, which I believe is just swapping a Seder Wayfinder with an Elvish Reclaimer and running it back. Yeah. Unstoppable. Oh, man. Seder Wayfinder and Legacy. And <sighs> in seventh place, we have another Elvish Reclaimer deck, man. This is Math Soul with the... What do you want to call this deck, man? I can't say anything nice, so I'm not going to say anything at all. What would you refer to this deck as? See, I don't know enough about EDH, so I don't know what it's called. But I, oh, Marin. That's what it's called. I remember this dude registering his deck as Marin EDH, and it looked very similar to this list with all these one-of creatures, and uh, that's what I call this deck. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. It's pretty sweet, man. I mean, fierce empath, ho- one hogak for for kicks, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's playing four depths, four stage, zero hex mage. Yeah, I guess it's super base green, so the double black is probably tough, even with the four mox diamonds. But, whew. it's just a green sun deck, man. You don't you don't want double black in your green sun deck. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it. I don't. But 8th place is really exciting, man. 8th place is straight fucking jaunt. Or I guess we should say straight fucking punishing jaunt. Which is something I, I've thought about a lot because this is the deck that I felt like I crushed Delver the most with ever of all the decks I've ever played. Yeah, and... I, I would want access to some some number of Sylvan Library, I think. Yeah, but that's kind that's, of weird not to play. Anything, that's but. the only thing that I saw in this list that I didn't like. Yeah, it's really a pretty cool list. Tireless Tracker. I, I've been thinking about Tireless Tracker a lot with Ren, like ways to really synergize that that uh the Ren. You know, being able to get a, get a land back and also draw a card. Because you're seeing people playing like Cycling Lands or the Canopy Lands to synergize with Ren, but Tracker's just like next level. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's pretty stock Jun deck, what you expect out of a Jun deck, and it's cool to see it doing well. Yeah, it's weird in ninth, and your favorite player in 11th. We saw, like, little Eldrazi make a really big comeback. I don't know if it's a really big comeback to finish ninth and 11th in a challenge that <laughs> wasn't super big, but Sorbo won right there at 11th. Yeah, and then actually 13th is another blue-white Stoneblade deck. A little bit more Planeswalker heavy. 
Yeah, but this is more like what you'd expect to see right now, I would say. With Back to Basics? Yeah. Wait, no Back to Basics. Man, Back to Basics seems really fucking good right now. I can't believe there's no Back to Basics, man. I just assumed it was there. Four Layla out of the Void. <sighs> yeah, that's a great idea, in my opinion. Even though it probably wasn't for this challenge. I think I like Rest in Peace. But Layla out of the Void against Renin Six and Tarmogoyf and Dreadhorn Archimist is pretty good. Yep. It can't get yeah, decayed. Sure. Yeah. Cool, man. So do you want to wrap here? I know we're kind of long. We have uh, we have two weeks worth of deck dumps to do, but I think you're okay with skipping that. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything really exciting you want to talk about, we can do it, but uh, the deck dumps. Bro, we can get to that on the next episode of MTGO deck lists. Okay, so listen. Next week, I want to give a little bit of a heads up as to what Brian has in store for us. But he said, I want you guys to do a power hour when you start to talk about the deck dumps. So now we're going to be drinking throughout the whole thing, talking about three weeks of decks in the deck dump. Yes. I just, I want to let you know what you're in for. And listeners, we're not editing it. So should we do this IRL? Should we do our first IRL podcast? That's up to you if you want to come to me. <laughs> and then drive home. Yeah, because actually that sounds like a really fucking bad idea. I still have, have class. Yeah. I do have a couch. I have a guest bedroom that is all clean because Dom came up. Dom, once again, coming through big. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. That, that's interesting, man. I think that would be fun. But, Perfect. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter... Uh, for any crazy reason, uh, I think I'm I'm like one short of 200. So hit me up, Ian eighteen one twenty five, MTGO deck lists, MTGO deck lists on Twitter, legacy drunkenly at Twitter. No, for real, T Smiley MTG at Dead Format Cast. And I forgot to do this, but we got we got two pretty awesome patrons sign up in the last week. Okay, so Travis from the Legacy Pit. Oh yeah, yep. Signed up for our for our Patre- Patreon. They do filmed videos that they put up on YouTube about testing certain matchups in Legacy, and it's great. And Jeff Horan, who is a Canadian, who loves our podcast, joining the ranks of all of the other Canadians that love our podcast because of our very progressive cultural views. <laughs> Tom Cairns might have something to say about that. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm commenting on your, uh, your, your picture you put in here. Oh, you saw that? I saw, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. I knew that you were making a tiny dig for my That's liberal a Easter egg for you, bro. Just, I saw it. I liked it. Thank you. Deadformatcast at gmail.com. and that's a wrap. <laughs>